Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling. Luke, my man, how you doing? Hey, the, what's the forecast out in Tampa Bay today? I heard the sky's falling out in Tampa. Oh, man, I'm already tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of the tweets. I'm tired of uh, everybody got what you should have expected if you were really paying attention Sunday against the Saints and... Uh, you know, anybody who's, who's really disappointed in the long-term, uh, you know, projections of this team needs to remember that uh, the last time the Bucks won the Super Bowl in 2002, they started that season with a loss to the Saints. And uh, three of Tom Brady's uh, Super Bowl seasons, he lost his homo- his opening game in those seasons. So, I, you know, as Bruce Arians said to us after the game, it's a 16-round flight. They're 0-1. They got everything ahead of them, man. No doubt, and uh, I think uh, on the Bucks wire, you're just—it seems like you're doing a lot of damage control. I read your piece about, hey, hey, everyone, let's calm down. It's not over. You know, there's a lot of football to be played, and, and the Bucks are still going to be a good football team. I still believe that as well. I, I don't think uh, Sunday had uh, any indication of, of what this team's going to be long term. Although it was not the uh, start Tampa fans were hoping for after this, like you said, this off season full of astronomical expectations. And you know, Ryan, because of that, I think that it's probably the best thing that could have happened to this team. Uh, you know, the first drive, obviously, the first couple of drives, the defense gets a couple of big stops. Brady's first drive ends up with him taking a you know a sneak into the end zone and it ends in a touchdown. So right away, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is everything we hoped and dreamed. No doubt. And then they got punched in the mouth by one of the best teams in the NFC and the team that's won the division three years in a row. So I think that it's very important to take what's useful from this loss and say, listen, we, we, we read all the, the press clippings all off season. We made all the headlines. We added all these big names. But it, it might be healthy for this team to have lost that game and really – you know, iron out these mistakes and, and mental errors. If we're still having the same conversation in what, what is it, week eight or nine when New Orleans comes to Tampa Bay and, and you're seeing the same mistakes, you know, jumping off sides on fourth and short, you know, making the wrong reads on option routes and throwing interceptions and, you know, making some of those mental errors, if that's still happening halfway through the season, then we can start having a panic uh, about it. But after week one, you know, you lost by 11 points to one of the best teams in the league even with all those mistakes. So pump the brakes on all the panic bucks. But and you're not panicking, Luke, about some of the outside of the offensive struggles, and there was a lot of those, uh, you know, the special teams, right? I mean, that, that blunder with the guys running into each other on the on – the, that looked like that kick might go out of bounds if they just let it go. But they, uh, they run into each other, it gets recovered, and that kind of put the game away. You're not freaking out about any of this other stuff too, like on defense, some of the penalties and uh, the special teams blunders. Not hitting the panic button on that either. No, and, and again, you know, it, there were some mental errors that, that came from places that you don't expect. You know, a guy like Vita Vea, 99 times out of 100, is not going to jump off sides on fourth and short and move the chains. You know, you you got a guy in Mike Edwards. You know, obviously Bruce Arians was really angry about the kickoff return after that, you know, right after the game. Mike Edwards is a second-year guy. But even at that point, 
you should know better than to, to try to retreat for the ball in that situation. You have a return man back there for a reason. Same thing in baseball. It's way easier to come up for a ball than to go back. You let the outfielder take it instead of trying to chase it down mm. backwards as an infielder. Mike Edwards just made a play that you're supposed to know in Pop Warner in high school football and college football you're not supposed to make. Uh, and that's just what separates guys in the heat of battle. You have to execute. And they, you know, too many guys didn't execute their responsibilities, and that's why they lost. Brady, uh, you know, his weapons were a little bit suspect in this game. I don't think Mike Evans was 100%, right? And I don't think Gronk was uh, really in football shape yet. Uh, it didn't look like he was coming out of his breaks as quickly as we're used to. It looked like he took a big shot there, and Brady was even checking in with him, being like, you all right? You know, so, you know, I think the weapons will get better as we go. You know, and one thing it's important to remember with this weird offseason and, and no preseason games, no no hitting, no welcome to the NFL like, okay, we're, we're finally back and we're hitting now. You, no matter how hard you practice against your own team in training camp, you're never going to hit as hard as when you're finally lining up against not just any other team but a division rival on the road to open the season. You have to get used to that contact, and for, especially for a guy like Gronk who's been out of the game for an entire year. You know, It's definitely going to take some time for him to get acclimated to, to the physicality and the violence of, of being back in the game. And, of course, with Evans, obviously he wasn't 100%. He was doubtful up until Friday. They switched him to questionable on Saturday, probably because they knew he was going to try to give it a go because he's just such a competitor. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's important to know that even Mike Evans at 50 to 75% is better than a lot of receivers in this league. And you may look at the box score and see that he only had one catch for two yards, and even that catch was an important one, getting the touchdown late to kind of close the lead. But he also drew multiple pass interference penalties, one of them for 45 yards, another for 22 he got in Marshawn Lettermore's head a little bit and kind of drew a, a personal foul after the whistle. Got Marshawn really angry and, and got him to you know, entice him to push him a little late. Got another 15 yards. So, you know, Bruce Arians said Mike Evans had a 100-yard day, even though he only had one catch because those penalty yards are yards. You wrote a little bit about, you know, some of the positives that fans can latch on to because I know they're, they're focusing very hard on the struggles right now on Twitter and, and on social media and all that. The defense, like we talked about last week, has a chance to be good, better than people expect, and they were pretty good in this game. They held them to 271 total yards, did a great job against Michael Thomas, who they couldn't stop last year to save their lives. He ended up leaving late with an ankle injury, I believe, but they really shut him down. They did a good job against Kamara, so that's a silver lining right the d looks like it's good and if the bucks have a good defense they could be a real player in the nfc i think yeah i agree and again when you look at what they were able to do defensively for the most part you look at the scoreboard and you see they gave up 34 points and you assume that it was another day at the office for the old lovey smith defense or the mike smith bucks defense where they're just getting carved up left and right but that's just not the way it was you know the, the pick six obviously is a big part of it special teams was terrible in terms of punt coverage they had multiple punt returns that you know, started drives for the Saints in Tampa Bay territory. I think New Orleans had an average starting position of like their own 45 and the Bucks were like their own 15. You know, so I mean, that's just it's huge when you're talking about starting drives 30 yards behind and ahead of the other team. But that's not on the defense. Defense, like you said, held Alvin Kamara to a career low, less than two yards per carry for one of the most explosive guys in the game at his position. Michael Thomas, three catches for 17 yards uh, for a guy that, again, torched them both times they faced him last season. So definitely a lot, particularly on defense, to be excited about. They do have a lot of things to work out, particularly offensively and on special teams. But the fact that that defense is playing so well, 
is a huge encouragement moving forward. And we're about to get into our fantasy segment here with the Huddle.com, Corey Bonini. And I think Scotty Miller is the guy. I'm in a this like really competitive 14-team league. He's available on my waiver wire. I think if you have a chance to scoop up Scotty Miller, especially in a PPR league, this could be a guy that Brady really latches on to. Seemed like they had some instant chemistry going on. They did. And if you were paying attention in training camp, he, you know Brady made that clear. He was very complimentary of, of uh, Scotty Miller early in camp. Obviously developed a quick chemistry with him and really likes the way he plays the game. He targeted him at every level of the field. He targeted him deep. He targeted him short. Let him, you know, use that speed after the catch. Clearly, they are they are connecting right away. And you know, from you know Brady's time in New England, all the different receivers he's developed. When he latches onto a guy like that, it can mean big things for you fantasy wise. No doubt. We'll be right back on the Bucks Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about some fantasy football sleepers for week two. After a heartbreaking loss last week in which Phillip Rivers cost his team the win, he takes on a Minnesota Vikings defense that was completely destroyed by Aaron Rodgers in week number one. No team gave up more fantasy points to quarterbacks last weekend. Minnesota has an inexperienced group of cornerbacks, and a veteran like Phillip Rivers will find a way to get it done. It may not be completely pretty, but expect close to 300 yards and three touchdowns. Tampa Bay running back Ronald Jones has the best matchup in fantasy football entering week two. Carolina was gashed by Josh Jacobs for three touchdowns last week after being the worst fantasy run defense in 2019. Tom Brady needs help and it has to come on the ground. San Francisco signed wide receiver Mohamed Sanu this week, but it's Kendrick Bourne who's the better play at the New York Jets, a defense that gave up the second most catches and third most reception yards to wide receivers last week. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling faces the Detroit Lions. He scored a touchdown last week from Aaron Rodgers and faces a Detroit defense that gave up a game-costing bomb of a touchdown to Anthony Miller late last week. Expect Aaron Rodgers to challenge downfield. For more fantasy news and analysis, check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think certainly poor execution and, uh, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's a game of execution and... Uh, Obviously, they, you know, made more plays than we did and made some just bad, terrible turnovers, and it's hard to win uh, turning the ball over like that. So, that's uh, I obviously got to do a lot better job. You know, it just seemed like like Tom was uncomfortable, right? That he was kind of caught in between. This is a new offense, no no uh, preseason games. I mean, we knew it was going to be hard. Um, so now, how do you go back and sort of make him look like Tom Brady again? Yeah, I mean, he looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of uh, unusual to see that in the ball game because they didn't do the things that we didn't 
get ready for. We everything they did, we were we thought we were ready for. Some wide receivers had to do a better job of winning one on one when he decides to go their way. He put us in the right run checks a couple of times, so it was a, it was a learning experience that way. You know, can't say that we were all sync because we started out as good as you could start out going right down yeah. the field. You know, then we don't get any more chunk plays other than pass interference penalties. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great learning experience. It's just round one of a of a sixteen round fight and. Uh, and we'll, we'll learn from it. That was Tom Brady talking about his day and also Bruce Arians answering a question about how do we make Tom Brady look like Tom Brady again, Luke? So, you know, that hyperbole, man. Everyone's panicking. But, you know, what was your take on Brady's day? Obviously, he had some really good throws. As uh, Arians said, he really good at the line of scrimmage, getting in and out of the best plays based on the look. But he also had some terrible throws. And I'm sure you're going to hit on, on one that went for the pick six. Assess Brady's day for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're always going to come back to the big plays. So, you know, he had that early throw to Chris Godwin on the play action. That was a, a beautiful touch pass. He had a long one to Scotty Miller. That was another great one. He had um, third, or, third and short or fourth and short where he had a play action, had pressure in his face and threw kind of a fadeaway jumper to Godwin. Uh, over the top of a couple defenders. So he definitely had his moments, but, you know, turnovers are just so crippling in this league. And on, on the pick six, Arians told us that it was actually a screen call and that out was kind of a, an outlet that was kind of his last resort. And I guess he just liked that better. It just made a terrible throw. I mean, there's no other way around it. It was way behind the receiver. Janoris Jenkins actually talked about in his press conference that, he, you know, they had seen that particular route on film a lot and hadn't seen it in the first half. So when they came out for the second half, they were really sitting on that particular route uh, and knew it was coming soon. So there was a lot of, you know, the Saints played well, too. It's not it's not just Brady making a mistake, but that was just a terrible throw. He underthrew it, threw it behind Justin Watson. And then on the uh, the other interception, you know, it was just a, it was an option route that, you know, Brady read one thing. Mike Evans read the other thing. Mike sat down in the zone instead of carrying out the post route. And, and obviously on film, it looks it looks terrible. It looks like Brady's just throwing to nobody. But that's what happens, unfortunately, with those option routes when your quarterback and receiver see two different things so a lot to work on again a lot of it's the first time he's with these receivers in a game situation you can throw against air all day long in practice you can even throw against your own defense but when you know it's just a whole different ball game quite literally when it's the first time working with those particular guys in a game situation and again the offensive line had their struggles too the offensive tackles donovan smith really really struggled uh and when you you can't have confidence in your blindside guy and you're not able to get the ball out as quick as you want it's just not going to go well for you, even if you're not Tom Brady. One thing that you must love, Luke, as a as a reporter covering this team, is uh, just the honesty in Bruce Arians. Right? He's he put it. He's not afraid to put it on Brady. Right? He put both interceptions on Brady. You know, basically, you know, saying, "Yeah, maybe expected a better game out of him." He's been doing it in practice. We expected to see it in the game too. So Bruce, uh, you know, he's not afraid to call this guy out. Brady might be the goat, but you know, no preferential treatment. No, not at all. And he's always been that way. I'm sure if I if I screwed up something, he'd call me out too and, and cuss me out behind the behind the bleachers. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the kind of guy he is. So, and I think Brady respects that. You know, I mean, he's obviously had a, a hard nosed coach in, in Bill Belichick for a long time, and you know, Bruce is a, a different kind of cat in a lot of ways. Uh, but he's definitely no BS. He's going to give it to you straight, and uh, he doesn't care who you are. If, if you make a mistake, he's going to hold you accountable. So you hit on it when you talked about the blind side, but what's your panic level with the offensive line? Is this a unit that is going to be shaky, you think, this year? Obviously did not have a great game, and I think with Brady, you you got to protect him, keep guys out of his face, uh, or else he could struggle. When you get pressure on Brady, he tends to his numbers tend to take a dip. So uh, you know, how nervous are you about the line? You know, the interior, I think, is, is pretty good. I think Ali Marpet's probably the best left guard in the league that nobody really knows about. Ryan Jensen is is one of the better centers, had a much better 2019 than he had 2018. Alex Kappa's 
kind of underrated. He's a really tough guy. Played through a, a broken arm at New Orleans last year, I think. Uh, finished the game even though he'd broken his forearm, which is just insane to me. But honestly, the problems are really at the tackles. And, and on the right side, it's understandable. You've got Tristan Wirfs, who's starting his first game ever in the NFL, and he's going up against Cam Jordan, one of the best pass rushers in the league. So you expect to see problems there. You expect to see struggles and growing pains. What you don't want to see is a guy who's started almost every game, all but one game since he was drafted for four or five years now in a row. And Donovan Smith is your left tackle continuing to have the same struggles he's had throughout his career in terms of inconsistent technique and getting beat over and over. I mean, Bruce Arians, you want to talk about being accountable. He told us, uh, you know, on Monday that Donovan Smith probably had the easiest guy to block and had the worst performance, and there's just no excuse for that. All right, a chance for the Bucks to uh, you know, make up for it next week. They're, they're coming home. They're playing a, a young Panthers defense. I think the pickings might be a little bit easier than the Saints uh, secondary that Brady saw in week one. Luke and I will break that down coming up on the Bucks Wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeffrey Clark of those same two affiliations. And here's what you need to know about the Week 2 Monday Night Football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Las Vegas Raiders. The Saints are minus 228 money line favorites. The Raiders are plus 190 home dogs. Saints laying minus five and a half points. Raiders plus five and a half. On the other side, Jeff, how do you feel about Saints Raiders on Monday Night Football? I love Saints to spoil um, Raiders Vegas debut and premiere. Uh, I'm a little nervous about Michael Thomas being out, of course, but Jeff Jacobs is not going to be able to produce on the ground and get into the end zone, hit pay dirt as much as he was against the weak Carolina Panthers defense. I like the Saints to actually be uh, key to victory due to their defense. Give me the Raiders. Saints without Michael Thomas, that's a big loss. I'll take the Raiders at home, plus five and a half. They'll keep that within a field goal. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Luke. Bucks come home. They're going to play a a young Carolina team, a a team that's gutted their whole team, really. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. They gutted their whole defense, I should say. Spent all this draft capital on the defense. It's a young unit. They got lit up a little bit by the Raiders in Week 1. So the Bucks are favored by nine points at home here in week two, part of this massive 1 p.m. slate. There's a bunch of games at 1 p.m. Bucks and uh, Panthers are in that spot. What do you think? This seems like a spot where the Bucks could get themselves on track and be the team people expected to see because this Panthers team is uh, young and kind of rebuilding. Yeah, I definitely think it's a perfect uh, recipe for the Bucks to get things back on track. And, and particularly with that defense, I think it's going to be just as much about who isn't there anymore as opposed to who is there. There's going to be two guys missing from that defense that have been thorns in the Bucks' side for a long, long time. Obviously, Luke Keekley, his surprising retirement in the offseason removes one of the best linebackers, one of the best defenders, period, in the league. 
yep. from the middle and the heart of that defense. And honestly, James Bradbury, the corner, I don't know if there's a corner in the league that gave Mike Evans in particular more trouble throughout his career than Bradbury. Just a big physical guy that matches up really well with the Bucks receivers. He's with the Giants now, left in free agency. Uh, so, again, they do have a lot of young talent on that team, but I think those two guys missing is going to be a huge, huge plus for the Bucks offense, and they're going to exploit that early and often. What do you think about the matchup overall? Maybe a little bit like we saw on Monday night between the Steelers and Giants. I don't know how many people tuned into that, but the Steelers really focused on taking away Saquon Barkley, and the Giants didn't really have much at, with Barkley not having a big game. I think with the Panthers, if you take away Christian McCaffrey, right, where do they go? Like, what do they got? I mean, they, they, their offense is intriguing. I like Teddy Bridgewater. They got some good targets in the in the passing game, but I think if you could take away McCaffrey, stop him from having a monster game on you, it's going to be hard for the Panthers to keep up with the Bucks. I think. Yeah, and I think it, it take you back to, to week two of last year was the same situation they shut down McCaffrey they won a game on national tv 20 to 14 and made a big play on McCaffrey on the last play of the game to to keep him from getting a first down keep him out of the end zone and that's going to be the recipe this team was the number one rushing defense in the league last year uh and that's going to be their bread and butter they're going to shut him down and make someone else beat him I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan too Robbie Anderson had a big play in his first game with the Panthers they have talent there at skill positions but if, if it's not McCaffrey, somebody else has to step up. And I think that's going to be the Bucks' plan is that we'll take him away. If somebody else is going to have to beat us, it won't be that guy. What do you think about the line, Luke? Minus nine for the Bucks. there. They're giving away nine points. Do you think this is a double-digit win for them? Or is that a little uh, going out there a little bit? Uh, you know, I understand on paper. But after watching that game on Sunday, it's kind of hard for me to take that. Sure. I, I think that, you know, less than nine, a seven-point win would be nice for the Bucks after losing it all. I, I think... If everything goes well for the Bucks, they definitely could run away with this one. It's just hard for me to feel comfortable with that after all the mistakes we saw in all three phases, really, on Sunday. And what's what's the rule in Florida right now? Are they going to have fans out there or no? No, there won't be, at least for the first two home games. Okay. Uh, so you won't see anybody in the stands for this game, at least. Bruce Arians said that he was actually kind of disappointed in the fake crowd noise and how quiet it was in New Orleans, and he hopes it's a lot louder at home this week. Yeah, I saw that. He actually thought it was a disadvantage to the Saints. That was an interesting comment. I love, I, I do love me some Bruce Arians in these uh, pressers, so it is interesting. All right, man. Well, enjoy the week. We'll see if the Bucks can get back on track. We'll be back next week to uh, break it all down. Luke, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, my pleasure, Ryan. Let's do it again. All right, we'll be back next week on the Bucks Wire podcast. Thanks for joining us. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.